Welcome to Pardon the Intermission, a podcast that takes a look at movies, TV, and all things entertainment from the past, the present, and the future. Remember to subscribe and like the podcast and give a review. This helps out the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Now on to the show. Yes, hey everyone. Welcome to Pardon the Intermission. I'm Eric. I'm Jason. I hope you're all doing great out there and thank you for joining us on this entertainment podcast absolutely <laughs> and this entertainment podcast is called pardon the intermission pardon the intermission that's I, right. I almost did that like a kind of a william shatner uh pardon the intermission welcome to this podcast mr anyway. yeah <laughs> i don't know what i was doing there anyway i don't know either check and, us out on our social media right? we are on uh x at pti underscore podcast and on facebook at pardon the intermission and we, we do like to talk about entertainment and movies mm-hmm. and sometimes music sometimes mm-hmm. theme parks sometimes yeah. what else sometimes theater sometimes. theater yeah so yeah we'll do theater sometimes sometimes we'll throw in some tributes here like to some legendary performers and actors who have passed away that have left a an indelible mark on our culture in our society either yeah. in the arts whether it's film tv or whatever so yeah we kind of like to do a hodgepodge of everything just there. everything just kind of mix it in yeah. yeah eric i just realized too that as of the recording yes. of this uh, show today's december 1st man i know yeah we're gonna we're crazy. gonna actually get into it's crazy that this year has flown by it so is fast. it is but we it's are insane. definitely gonna get into uh we're gonna have to get into some christmas stuff here oh yeah as yeah. we as we move along uh mm-hmm. we got some great uh content that we're working on as far as christmas lists and and stuff coming up so not today though that's coming down the pipeline not folks. today that's just All a little right. that's just a little uh a sneak, teaser sneak preview of what's sneak coming up peek and let me just give you a clue. One of the things we might discuss is, is a movie that contains a popular line that begins with yippee Kaye. Uh, so there you go. But that's as, that's as far as I'm we'll, willing we'll, to go. No, we'll say this. Yeah. Christmas movie or not. <laughs> that's officially as far as, as far as we'll go. That, that, that's, yes, that's the uh, what centuries-long debate. Right, exactly. What makes a Christmas movie? Okay, yes. um, you know what, today, let's talk yes. about, uh, we did want to hit some topics, though, because we know we're going to be doing a lot of Christmas stuff here, but we yeah, wanted to finish yeah. finish up with Loki. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit on previous shows, but we, you know, obviously the, the uh, series has ended, Yeah. and uh, man, there's just been so much other stuff going on that, that we has. haven't got to it yet, but we did want to talk about Loki. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the series? What did you think about the finale what did you think about Loki overall, Jason? Um, I would give it about a five out of ten. Okay, wow, yeah. we're, we're about we're right there. Uh, I give it a five out of ten. Okay, I I thought we're the I, same. Again, I went in with expectations of exactly zero, meaning that I wasn't mm. overly geeked or excited about this the way I was with the first season or with previous uh, MCU shows on Disney Plus. Okay, um, I, I do love Tom Hiddleston in that role, though. I love yeah. him as Loki, perfectly cast. I like the. Character character uh, yeah the character is intriguing he yeah. really is because he's he's not your typical he, he's an anti-hero but at the same time he's an anti-villain because yeah. loki is all, as a character in the comics especially was a whimsical character a very uh he's he's the god of mischief mm-hmm. but you know as part of the part of his identity is trying to figure out okay do i want to be good or do i want to be bad and so he always vacillates between both of those and so uh, I thought from a character standpoint, uh, you know, Tom Hiddleston was able to, to stretch out Loki a little bit more and show different elements of the character that we necessarily didn't see either in the Thor films or in the Avengers movies. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thought I thought the series itself, I mean, the first season was mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Um, I'm right there with you. Number, I'd say about a five out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I... 
I, I there just doesn't seem to be a lot of meat mm-hmm. to this uh, to this season. No, the writing seemed to be lacking a little bit. Now you know, I the story was intriguing, and I kept waiting for it to go somewhere. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it just kind of pooped out. I don't know. Towards the end, I'm like, okay, okay. So he's the you know in the finale, obviously mm-hmm. he becomes <clears throat> the one who. Yeah, uh, is is keeping time together, I guess, you know, the strands of time. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm like, oh, is it really? That's where they're going? It's, it kind of seemed too easy. Uh, and even with all the different variants of King the Conqueror, I was still trying to figure out, okay, what are they trying to establish here with King? Because mm. in, in this multi-phase, in this multi-universe Marvel, Mar- in this multi-Marvel universe... That's a lot of M's. That's a lot of M's. Multi-Marvel Marvel. Well, there's a U in there, too. But. M&M's. Oh, those sound really good right about now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, in the, in the multiverse of the MCU, Kang the Conqueror has different variants, meaning different versions of him yes. and based on the different timelines that you're in. And w- during each of these uh, episodes in the seasons, I was still trying to figure out how are they trying to establish Kang's overall character here from these different variants. Because uh, even though I'm not too familiar with this character from the comic history the way I was with Thanos, Mm. uh, I was still trying to decide, do I like Jonathan Majors in this role? And do I even like the character Kang? You know, and I kind of felt like they... um, So what I mean by that is when I saw Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania, even though it's not an overall great film... I thought Majors played a very good King the Conqueror, being mm. real sinister and almost uh, despotic to some extent. But the the variant versions in this were still, they seemed kind of aloof and they seemed a little bit drained out somewhat. And so I just couldn't get latched into those the way I wanted to. Well, and then Disney really set themselves in, in a bad spot with, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan Majors having whatever issues is going on there. Right, and they basically right. have said he's done. Mm, pretty much. So now, mm-hmm. so I was wondering too with this Loki if they had mm-hmm. to kind of rewrite some stuff to try to take the story in a different mm-hmm. way because because uh, Jonathan because that character Kang mm-hmm. uh, played by Jonathan Major is supposed to yeah. have a major part going forward yes in in, in all of these storylines not just Loki but I mean mm-hmm. in in the Marvel uh, phase five or six or whatever they're yeah. on right well now. I mean the, the the next Avengers film is going to be titled Avengers uh, the Kang Dynasty I believe is what it is. So without Kang, without without <laughs> Kang, or they're going to recast, yeah, without Kang. Yeah. So Kang the Conqueror will be the focal point villain in the next Avengers films, just like Thanos was in Infinity War and Endgame. And so, yeah, they're going to need to figure out something to do there. Yeah. Either make amends with Jonathan and hope he comes back, or recast the role. I don't know. Now this version, I can't remember what was his name. The time timekeeper, the timekeeper, timekeeper, time and, and you know, it's yeah. kind of it's the same thing though. They they had built him up, they brought him in, even with a story. It's just like okay, they brought they brought this character in for him to be the key yeah. as to what they needed and right. okay he opened you know he, he did something but then it he you know it fizzled out once again sure it, i don't know i i was very disappointed overall the, the the thing seemed very lackluster to be honest i mean i don't know it's one of these it's a situation that always seems with disney they have a great cast they've mm-hmm. got all this potential and it and for whatever reason it just yeah. doesn't go anywhere I, w- I was really let down by the finale because I'm like, yeah. you know, like I said earlier, it's just like, okay, you're going here. I mean, this is it. This is the payoff. There has to be a bigger payoff. 
Yeah, exactly. So anyway, yeah, and so uh, I, I, I was I, I was expecting a little bit more out of the Mobius character as well, played by Owen Wilson. True, because uh, Mobius is a is a central character uh, in the Marvel uh, universe mm. as far as this timeline is concerned. But okay. it really didn't feel like during the duration of this series that he was as important as he's supposed to be. No, I mean it's just like uh, we're, for the most part of the series, we're watching him mm-hmm. sitting there eat pie. <laughs> That's it. So, okay, well, when, right. when are they going to get off the pie? Is it Marie Callender's? It, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of funny, you know. And, and, and right, was, right. You know, I understand it, but okay, it's right. like, how many times can we watch him eat pie? It's like, okay, let's let's move the story along. Right, exactly. And and it just seemed kind of, I don't know, it seemed like it just... it, it Very had, convoluted. It, and and it, Well, it also leaned just on, I don't know, it, it was too lazy, put it that way. It was too lazy with go. the fact of, yeah. you know, oh, Loki <laughs> has the power to recast time, and it's it's him. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, I okay, here we go, and then now he's controlling. Okay, we could see where this was going. That's what I mean. It just, it just seemed to fizzle out, and I don't know if yeah. that was because they're trying to move the story in a different way because of the Jonathan Major's troubles, or if, if this was just the way it was going to go. And, well, and I also think, because keep in mind, they're also trying to to tie in these streaming TV series to the films that have also been coming out too and that are scheduled to come out. So you're trying to connect two different elements, television with film, and uh, now I'm not a writer. I don't know how difficult it is to do, but um, that's something else to kind of factor in there too is like ultimately the plot from the TV streaming series like Loki, like WandaVision, like Hawkeye, all have to kind of coalesce and come together. At yeah. some point. But like you just alluded to, where is that point and where is it leading to? We just don't know right now. And and I think that that's a very hard thing to do, especially when yeah. they're trying to introduce, you know, they're trying to introduce mm-hmm. a new cast of characters yeah. um, from mm-hmm. the old. And we did talk about a story where they were, uh, you know, they were talking about even bringing back some of the old characters and we were discussing about how crazy, yeah. especially money-wise, that would be. There's no way they could afford that, yeah. I don't think. But, you know, I, I, I think... Um, it's this. This is kind of leading into a story that you had here yeah. um, about uh, Jodie Foster's on ComicBook.com. Yes, um, she has a, a she has a uh, what would you say a theory as to what's going on here, right? Yeah, Jodie's always been outspoken about a lot of things. She's never shy to to voice her opinion. And in this movie or in this article that was posted in ComicBook.com, uh, she basically hints that people are quote unquote sick of superhero movies and that they will be sick of them very soon. What she's basically alluding to is the fact that she called superhero movies, and I quote, a phase that's lasted a little too long, and she argues that the industry should leave room for different kinds of movies to be made, which, okay, heard that argument before. That being said, she did cite a few examples that emotionally connected with her, including the Marvel Cinematic uh, Cinematic Universe's Iron Man and Black Panther, and I go on to quote, it's a phase, it's a phase that's lasted a little too long for me, but it's a phase, and I've seen so many different phases. She also goes on to say, hopefully people will be sick of it soon. The good ones, like <laughs> Iron Man, Black Panther, The Matrix, I marvel at those movies, and I'm swept up in the entertainment of it. But that's not why I became an actor, and those movies don't change my life. Hopefully there will be room for everything else. I think, mm. Eric, if you read between the lines on this, and this is not necessarily semantics here, but I think if you read between the lines, what Jody is trying to hint at here is that you don't need a superhero movie 
to encourage young people. You don't need a superhero yeah. movie for young people to latch on to heroes to. Well, sure. You don't need a superhero movie to tell you tales of morality, tales of right versus wrong, tales of good versus evil. That if you have a good film with a solid story and a solid foundation, that can be just as inspirational as watching Iron Man bust through 35 feet of concrete, blasting pulsar beams in the air, and saying Avengers Unite. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I would say I would agree. I mean, you don't need to have it doesn't have to be all superhero movies. But I, I sure. think I think, you know, I, you know, from this being her opinion, mm-hmm. I, I think that what is off here, though, is I think there is plenty of room for 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 good movies that aren't superhero movies. And especially yeah. if you're talking about to kind of motivate or to move the yeah. youth, you know. Um, I, I think there's plenty of room for that. I think what people, I don't think they have, uh, you know, superhero fatigue. I mean, we've heard that used a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a phase either. I think that people, the phase is that they're tired of watching bad superhero movies. Just they're for the sake tired, of making a buck. Yeah, they're tired mm-hmm. of, of people taking the IP yeah. and just throwing anything out there and saying, oh, here you go. Mm-hmm. And yes, it has maybe come a little too diluted with all, like we we're talking yeah. about with the TV shows. You're yeah. trying to, you're trying, and that's what I was trying to connect here is that you have all mm-hmm. these TV shows trying to connect to each other with the movies and okay, all that's kind yeah. of become too diluted. Yeah. But if you have good stories, mm-hmm. people are going to come and see them no matter what, whether they they're are. a superhero movie or whether they're a movie yeah. about a teacher mm-hmm. or, or anything else, a rocket scientist. I mean, you know, if it's mm-hmm. a good story. I mean, a, a good example of that is look at Oppenheimer. I still haven't seen yeah. it, but that thing did great. It And it, it's tremendous. about the atomic bomb, right? It's about a person who created the atomic bomb. Absolutely. What about yeah. Barbie? Barbie did very well. Barbie's too. not a superhero, and that's about a toy doll for <laughs> that's crying about a out toy loud. Doll. That, that, that's yep. a what about a, a two-hour commercial for a bar for a, you know Mattel's Barbie? There. I mean, pretty much. But but I mean, but you know, the stories were intriguing, and and they and they uh, obviously captured you know um, uh, the imagination of a, of a group of people. So, so basically, what Jody is insinuating is that from what it sounds like, she feels like these films are uh, they are holding down the industry simply for the sake of making a buck and but fact, that's not I, I don't think and i don't think that's that's not the industry per se per i think se, it's per the se, corporate right. the corporate in the corporations that have control of the industry right exactly exactly yeah. in fact she even goes on to say here eric that going to the movies has become like a theme park studios making bad content in order to appeal to the masses and shareholders is like fracking oh my gosh oh my gosh now we're getting into politics here folks Okay, you get the best return right now, but you wreck the earth. Uh, we'll save. We'll let you know what fracking is on a later show, folks. <laughs> so basically, obviously, Jody is not a fan of these movies. And again, I think what else it points to as well is that, it, at least from what it sounds like to me, is that she feels, as I perceive it, that maybe all of these big Hollywood comic book themed movies are taken away from um the, from other directors' abilities to be artistic and or express from other other projects or that other could projects, be out there. yeah, that could be but put see to that, better use. Then again, that that goes back to who's running um, Hollywood right now. You know that that's I mean it's the corporations, corporate that execs are, that don't know a thing about making movies. I mean, so th- that this is going to be something that I think you know people. People will let Hollywood know with with their dollars by not spending them. You know, um, they're going to let yeah. let them know. Now the problem is that who yeah. gets caught up in the middle of this is always the theater, yeah. And they're the ones that ends up hurting right away because you know they That's obviously true. need the people to you know the the, the butts in the seats there to watch yeah. the movie to make the money. And especially uh, during the summer when blockbusters are expected to hit theaters during the summer. Well, it also goes to show too. I, I think there's there's just a. a 
a culture uh, with these corporations that they never want to take chances anymore. I mean, they never do anyway. Right. They want. Right. They want. I mean, obviously, they're there for the bottom line, and yeah. they, and they yeah. think. The problem is they think this formula of, you know, um, the show's, uh, this Feige formula of like mm -hmm. Iron Man and Thor and all these characters, they could just keep, you know, regurgitating that yeah. and making the money that they're making. And then with the public saying, no, we still, we want, we've seen that. That's great. Yeah. We yeah. want to see, you know, better. We want to see something more, something better, something more substantial. Yeah. And, and it is true. <laughs> it may be a phase, like she says, mm -hmm. but, you know, I still think there's plenty of room for superhero movies. And I don't think they'll, mm -hmm. I don't think really they'll ever, you know, I don't think it's, it's that the public is tired of it. I just, yeah. like I said, I go back to the, it's a bad, when you make a bad movie, you're going to get a, a, a it's bad optics as well. Yeah, it's, it you're you're gonna get yeah. you're gonna yeah. draw, drive away the customer, and it, the it's moviegoer. All, it's also interesting to hear something like this come from an actor like Jodie Foster because when you look at her body of work, she's an Academy Award nominated and winning actress. Uh, she was in uh, one of my favorite thrillers of all times, The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, but she and she was also in another one of my favorite uh, uh, suspense heist movies called. Um, it was the Spike Lee movie called um, hmm. uh, the one with Denzel Washington and um, Chiwetel Ojiofor. God, I just forgot the name of it all of a sudden. Uh oh. Oh, it's called Inside Man. I'm sorry. Inside Man. Inside okay. Man, which is a sneaky good movie. Mm. So when you look at Jody's body of work, she definitely represents mm. what a um, uh, I don't want to say a creative actor, but what a a diverse actor she is from the different roles sure. that she's taken on because she's never been in any of these big blockbuster well, associated films before. And and also you have uh, uh, you've had someone who has had you know a lifelong career essentially. I mean, she started when she was a child, and she was in some of the and old so Disney films. I, I think I mean you have yeah. to lend you know to her uh, you know as as far as her knowledge uh, goes. I mean, you have to lend you know something to it. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think people just, they, they continually, it just seems like they continually blame this, like it's a phase or mm -hmm. it's superhero fatigue. And I, and I go back to, no, it's maybe, maybe they don't want to really call it what it is because mm -hmm. of the industry. Yeah. But I go back to, it's not that it's, it's just a, a you know, a bad written, mm -hmm. you know, superhero movie fatigue. That's what we're talking about. Or a bad film. I mean, how many people have talked about like with Ant-Man and stuff? I mean, mm -hmm. the terrible a CGI that was on that. And, you know, I mean, and, and that's not the reason the yeah. film didn't do as well, but that's part no. of the reason, right? Part it's of like, the reason. it's yeah. like the quality has just fallen off mm -hmm. the edge. Yeah. And, and they just, mm -hmm. they think because they throw a name on their Ant Man or Thor that they're, you're going to go watch it in the theater, and that's not happening. Especially, no. and we've talked about with streaming now, too. The other thing, too, is she's not really pointing to, at least I haven't seen this article yet, and, yeah. and I haven't read the whole thing, um, I do admit, but. Also, the fact that the industry is changing with streaming. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a lot of changes to this industry, too, now. There so it, there's going to be a fine balance as to, mm -hmm. you know, getting the public to be able to go into the theater and watch it. I think they're still willing because you have movies that do show great, um, you know, they had great turnouts. You had Sound of Freedom. That was an independent movie. And yeah. it had nothing to do with huge, superheroes. Huge box office yeah. gains for that. Uh, what other movies? Like we're talking about Oppenheimer. You had Barbie. There, people will go, Top, mm -hmm. Top Gun Maverick. People will go to watch yeah. good movies. Yeah. That you put out that that resonate with the public, but well, and then also you look at the the most recent film that's out now that's starting to catch some steam there, and that's Ridley Scott's uh, Napoleon, the mm. biopic about Napoleon Bonaparte. Now, regardless of how historically accurate it is, it's starting to catch some momentum here, and it's starting to get some uh, major box office tickets coming through the turnstiles there. So, uh, so yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it's it's trying to find that balance between what works, what doesn't work, but also 
what is what feels like it's just being constantly regurgitated over and over and over for again. the buck. Yeah, and even with me, Eric, I'll admit, being a huge pop culture comic book nerd that I am, I don't get as excited for these films that I once did. Yeah, it's not like I remember when the first Iron Man film came out almost 15 years ago, back in 2008. Mm. God, when that movie was being advertised and pushed by the MCU, I was freaking geeked. Mm. I was like, oh man, this is going to be great. I was excited. I got my ticket the first day I was able to get it. When I saw it, I was not disappointed. John Favreau and his group made a fantastic film off of a popular comic book character. And I, after that, I got really excited for all the subsequent films that came out. But then now I'll admit, after I've seen a few bad ones, mainly from DC, but also Marvel's kind of slipped on some banana peels as well, That's helped. that hasn't helped. That's really um, been one of the mitigating factors in me just not getting geeked about these films anymore. Yeah, I just don't know what I'm going to go see, whereas 15 years ago, I knew what I was going to see, and I expected it, and I got it. And, and we won't even say it's just Marvel. I mean, it's also <sighs> fallen on DC. Yeah, uh, James oh, Gunn, he, he's got a lot on his shoulders to try to bring this... Uh, I mean, as far as I'm yeah. concerned, I, I was never, I mean, I, I love the characters of Batman and Superman. Me too. I was never deep into the DC lore, though. I yeah. didn't read the comic books um, or anything. But, you know, it's going to take a lot for me to want to go watch a DC movie now just because yeah. of the, the, the stuff that's been put out and all the changes. You know, they keep yeah. yanking things and changing around. And I think, you know, the public's tired of that, too. You know, like you just get into characters and then they're just tossed away. Hey, Aquaman 2 is coming out December 24th. Oh, my gosh. Did you hear it's got bad reviews? I mean, terrible, terrible audience reaction. It's getting slammed. Reviews, It's getting slammed. It is. And I'm just like, okay, here we go again. But but here's the other thing, too, though, Jason, is that you're going to watch that Aquaman and then you're thinking, okay, but, but wait, James Gunn, this movie doesn't see the whole thing with 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 all the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. The one thing they did really well, and maybe it only worked that one time, they did really well was saying these movies all are going to mean something because they all get to an end. And you had exactly. enough people who knew about mm-hmm. the you know the end game and, and the big war and everything, so yeah. you knew that all those movies were leading to something. Yeah. When you're going to go watch Aquaman. You know, now that James Gunn's taken over, you know that it's going to be a whole new DC. Mm-hmm. This is just a throwaway movie. Where does it lead? It's nothing. Pretty much. The only the only yeah. people that are going to watch Aquaman are people that are just Jason Momoa fans. They just want to go watch him in a movie. Otherwise, yeah. you know, it's not like you're, okay, I want to see where this leads for DC and how, right. you know, this is going to fit into that whole universe. No, yeah, right, you right. know it's a dead end. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, it feels I, like we're at the tipping point here, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's it is yeah about the, at least in, insofar as the popularity of these films. Yeah, well, like I said, I I think it's the type. I I think there's still people that would come out. I mean, I think Batman, uh, the the latest Batman, uh, did really well, with right? Ro- with, with Robert Pattinson, yes, yes, and that was actually a sneaky good film. Yeah. It, it, it was. It was a sneaky good film. And Matt Reeves, who directed it, he also did one of the uh, Planet of the Apes films. Mm. Uh, I thought he did a, a a decent job at penning the screenplay for it too. It saw a much different side of Batman that we had never seen before. A lo- it, a lot darker and a lot more violent, yeah. but to some extent, the only thing I didn't like about that movie was the way the Riddler was portrayed. Did not like the way they had the Riddler mm. portrayed. But aside from that, I thought the rest of the film was actually fairly well done, and I was surprised with Robert Pattinson. He pulled off Bruce Wayne, a young Bruce Wayne slash Batman, fairly well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. I did like it as well. Yeah, and and that's kind of a my point on that was is like a standalone movie mm-hmm. too. It's not really you know that I yeah. think the movie could stand. The movie stood alone. Yeah, I think these movies could stand alone. Maybe maybe it's the the whole idea that you know. Here's the other <laughs> thing too. People don't want to feel. 
it was different going back. Sorry to regurgitate it, but going back yeah. to the Marvel thing when it started and everybody knew this was getting to end game with Thanos. That's one thing. But now it's like they're it's almost you feel like they're trying to force you yeah. to watch all these movies just to keep up. So I have to watch Loki mm-hmm. and I have to watch, you know, uh, Hawkeye and I have to watch the next movie to, to, to figure out what's going on. The Marvels yeah. to figure out what's going on and all in, in this whole universe. Right. And people right. don't want to do that. You know, I mean, it's one thing to say, OK, great and get excited about it and geek. But then you're also dealing with a lot of secondary characters that people yeah. just can't quite, you know, hook into. I think the the magic as far as that has gone. I don't think that's superhero yeah. fatigue yeah. though. I, I'll still stand okay. by that. Okay. Um but yeah, I mean, hey, she's, you know, once again, you know, she's she's in the industry, I'm not. So yeah, she right. she may know a lot more about this than she I knows do. Heck of a lot more than we do. But it goes back to what I said too, is I think this is a great time, and I'll just restate it real quick before we move on to the next one, that uh, great time for independent movies. Oh yeah. A great time for people to come out with their own stuff to maybe make stuff a lot cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. If if the theaters can find a way to get it in there and support it somehow, yeah. this may be a great opportunity for a new kind of uh I don't know, a new age of cinema. This would be like back in like the 70s when like you had all these real creative movies that were coming out and just off the wall movies that just, you know. Well, I can do you one better. Uh, sure. I, I automatically think of Ethan and Joel Cohen mm. who made oh, their yeah. way up the independent ranks yeah. in a way. And when they came out with great films like The Hudsucker Proxy and Fargo and Raising Arizona and... Um, uh, Miller Miller's Crossing. Did they do? They didn't. They didn't do the Cohen Brothers. Didn't do the uh, Old Country. Or, uh, uh, they did. Old oh, Brother, where art thou? Not Old Brother, right there with the uh, 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 not Benicio del Toro. Uh, what's the other guy? You're thinking of No Country Javier for Bar- Old Men. Yeah, yeah, Javier Bardem. Yeah, Bar- no, No Country for Old Men was done by um, uh, Alejandro Almenabar. Oh yeah, okay, I okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but yeah, but that's another one that just stood out to me. It's like you know, it's, yeah, it's No just, Country for Old Men is a great film. Yeah, sneaky great film. Although I, w- I will say, uh, and Javier Bardem's hairstyle just scared the hell out of me in that movie. Okay, I'll, uh, aside from the quarter scene in the gas station, uh, his hairstyle just scared the heck. But out But I me. think there are movies out there, and I think they're going to start breaking through that are like that. And yeah, yeah as a matter of fact, we're going to talk about one probably next week. Uh, yeah. The shift that's coming out, another yeah. Angel Studios mm-hmm. uh, uh, movie. Yeah, more on the independent side. I mean, they did Sound of Freedom, and that did really well. And they've done some other movies. I, th- I think this is a great time. It's a golden age for these guys to kind of breakthrough yep. and that's what we need i think we need to get away from the hollywood system the corporate system uh, heard. The entertainment heard gotcha speaking of that though let's yes. let's not leave uh uh this idea about the corporate system mm-hmm. um we do we'll, we'll hit on bob a little bit bob was uh, recently bob Iger. that is was recently at a talk here that new york times put on uh, it's called the dead book conference boy has this guy been taking some shots to the face or what and yeah and <laughs> oh, uh in, in this thing he kind of blamed the reason nobody wants to see you know uh-huh. his movies uh still blaming it on uh, mm-hmm. uh from what i understood on the uh, pandemic uh-huh. uh he's talking about you said you had mentioned what about quality quantity what do you say yeah eric he came out just recently within the last week or so as uh, he was quoted as saying that the key to future success for disney's creative plans especially as it pertains to disney plus is quality over quantity not flooding the product with stuff that they think fans want to see but maybe cutting back the reins a little bit and having more quality story writing 
for shows mm. on their platform. You know what, Jason? I think he's been listening to our podcast. I think Bob, <laughs> we've been saying that I, for how we long? We have. We've been. You know what, Eric? We've been saying that ad nauseum for the last year. I, I think almost Since every we've been doing well, this. not just us. Every every entertainment podcast you listen right. to, and, and right. I listen to other ones as well. And and they we yes. all say the same thing. And it's it is it's a qual. I just said a, just a while back with the superheroes. It's a quality yes issue. And now see the problem I have with what he said is that that is in complete contradiction to what he's saying in this article and from that standpoint eric it does not pass the smell test for me mm. it sounds to me like this guy's mincing words a little bit sure. and he's trying to backtrack to cover bob chapex failures well all right because uh, well because bob chapex most of this happened on his watch are bob Iger's failures because that they, they were implemented yes uh through bob Iger's regime yes. and chapex was just was just basically carrying them out basically yeah i don't think bob chapex really came up with anything except maybe genie plus i don't i think genie plus was even bob Iger's idea originally yeah so i don't think that that, that i think chapek was just kind of a, 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 he, a he transition cashed, man he just cashed the checks which is why well, he, yeah, was called he, he was just doing what what bob Iger had already put in <laughs> right, before right. he left right and then you know and then he got ousted mm-hmm. um because stuff was hitting the fan but uh yeah you know it just sounds to me in all honesty just making excuses that's all he's doing People, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I want to go to another um, um, article here that you you had brought up about yes. uh, Dave Filoni. Now, if we know, and yes. and, this, and it'll tie into this one because yeah. I'll tell you why. Let's talk about Dave Filoni first, yes, and then and then we'll go into this one. But mm-hmm. um, let me get rid of that. Uh, pull it up here on the computer. Okay, there so Dave go. Dave Filoni, what is this here, uh, Jason? All right, so yeah, this is an article that I pulled from a website called um, what's it called? Oh, ComingSoon.net. And this actually made a lot of uh, headlines earlier uh, this week, or last week, I should say, where Dave Filoni uh, has or has already replaced Kathleen Kennedy as the chief creative officer of Lucasfilm. And uh, this is really this is really important, folks. And the reason why is because Dave Filoni has been associated with Star Wars really since its inception. Uh, he started out as an artistic guy working with George Lucas. And in fact, George Lucas, one of the agreements for handing Lucasfilm over to Kathy Kennedy was the mutual agreement that they were going to let Dave Filoni take over and do most of the creative stuff for mm. all the, the subsequent entertainment that came out. But this is big because, um, you know, Lucasfilm, just like with uh, with uh, with MC with Marvel, has really taken some shots here over the last few years, Eric. And a lot of it has been from the creative standpoint from this guy who is a creative mind who they thought they were going to leave the Star Wars entity in good hands with. Mm -hmm. But he's kind of slipped on a few banana pills here as well. Now, whether that's because he's had to answer to Kathy Kennedy as far as getting creative projects approved, because even though he and John Favreau, who he works with in tandem on a lot of these projects, would say, okay, great, we're going to tell this story, the buck stopped with Kathy Kennedy. She was Mm -hmm. the one who would look over the script and say, great, I like it. Let's run with it. Or if she didn't like it, she would say, nope, go back to the drawing board and let's do it all over, all over again. Yeah. Now, now, Kathy Kennedy knows how to make films, folks. She is one of the most powerful producers of all time. She's worked with Steven Spielberg on the Indiana Jones films, E.T., you name it. She's done it. Jurassic Park films. She's been involved with some great big blockbusters. So she knows how to make movies. But She knows she how to do- produce things. She does, but she doesn't know the Star Wars product the way that Dave Filoni does. But she doesn't, but I don't know if she can connect with the audience. She can't connect the, uh, with the audience. And that's why I believe that move was made to have Dave Filoni come in here. Because at least on the outside, Dave Filoni knows how to connect with the fans and connect with the audience. But does he? 
Inquiring part of the intermission lines want to know. Well, you know, I I kind of thought here's the deal. This to me, I read this story here and and I heard the news that he was going to become this creative yes director officer whatever title they're giving him. Right, right. And Kathleen Kennedy's still running the ship, and this all ties back to Bob. A big mm-hmm. boy Bob there. It does. Because my point was going to be, though, is that, you know, the problem with, with that is that he keeps talking about quality and this and that, but he mm-hmm. never gets rid of, he never replaces mm-hmm. the people that have, it's like they keep failing upwards. Right. He never, when when there's something that bombs, there's there's not heads that roll, you know, it's yeah. all this, you know, well, we'll just do it next time, or sure. well, we need to throw in, you know, this or that, and it'll work next time. No, it's not going to. I mean... There's so many people that are upset, in particular with the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Filoni, you know, with Favreau, and we don't know what the behind-the-scenes stuff was. And I don't we really, don't. And I don't really care, though, but the last season of The Mandalorian was crap. It was. It was complete was. crap. And, and I don't have any faith in Filoni that he's going to be able to take this. You know, they keep talking mm-hmm. now. See, this is how it always happens, right? Yeah. Now, they always say that every time that, you know, a little shift happens, you know, they put yeah. somebody in some position or somebody else in some. No, this is the person that's mm-hmm. going to take Star Wars back to what it was. This mm-hmm. is the one. They never, never do it. I've, I've lost faith. And I think a lot of people have lost faith in the way that Disney in general has handled uh, mm-hmm. George Lucas's product. And what I'm wondering, sorry, one more thing, one more point I'll make, is I'm wondering if these people, you know, because they keep talking about, I know know Kathleen Kennedy worked with Lucas, and I know that Filoni did, and all this. I'm wondering if that, yes, they were good at at basically pursuing his vision, they Mm -hmm. were good at executing his vision, Mm -hmm. they are not good at keeping his vision alive. They, they, I think, now that they have the reins, Mm -hmm. it's almost like, uh, not necessarily that they're uh, doing it on purpose, but they're like, (laughs) wringing their hands, like, now it's our turn to (laughs) show the the real Star Wars universe. Right, right. No, it's like the Emperor, right? They're (laughs) They're turning out to be the Emperor. But, no, I mean... Anyway, uh, I, I I just don't have the faith in them. I, I think that you know, without George Lucas at the helm, and, and they can't, and they're not going to get him back, and it's already no. over. But I think yeah. basically, this is probably a dead franchise. As far as what we knew of the Star Wars franchise and what it should be, yeah, um, yeah. that 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 will never come back. And now everybody is trying to put their little creative spin on it, and it's yeah. just not working at all. What do, I'm sorry to interrupt you. What what were you going to say? Well, what I was what I was going to say uh, is this. Okay, um, I, I understand your skepticism, and I get it. I really do. I'm taking a little bit more of a cynical approach to this, and the reason why is more be- cynical than me. More cyn- way more cynical than you. <laughs> well, to an extent. And here here's okay. the reason why. Why? Because um, I, I actually have hope to some extent that Dave can actually write the ship here, so to speak. Then mm. the reason why is because he did an outstanding job as the lead producer on both Rebels and Clone Wars, which were the animated series. That's where the creative aspect of him comes into play. Okay. And even though you didn't like Obi-Wan as much as I did, I could see where he was kind of going with that. Now, he was also involved with Rogue One, which is an outstanding standalone Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And even Solo, uh, I don't think, uh, I'm pretty sure he was involved with Solo. And even though Solo got deadpanned, I actually liked it to some extent. Hmm. Wasn't as bad as everybody made it out to be, folks. Okay. It's kind of like Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. It's the underappreciated film out of a franchise there. But where I'm going with this is, is that... Um, hmm. I, I think in the, in making this move, I think hopefully, if I'm perceiving this correctly here, that Filoni will be able to basically have the cuffs taken off 
and kind of go back to, not necessarily go back to the drawing board, but think about what makes Star Wars so special and not necessarily worry about creating a story just for the sake of keeping the franchise alive, but creating a story that's going to go back and appeal to the fan base because he knows how to do it. Yeah, He's done it. He did it with Rebels. He did it with Clone Wars. So maybe I should say I'm not really cynical about this. Maybe I should say I'm optimistic, optimistic instead. Hopeful. I'm optimistic. Now, the little bit of the cynicism does come with what you just alluded to earlier, where he's been involved with a lot of these big flops. Yeah. Again, you pointed out, you are not as um, flamboyant about Obi-Wan as I am. And I get it. That's fine. That's your opinion. And, and like you just said, season three of The Mandalorian, you and I both agree, season three of Mandalorian deserves to be wrapped up in a tin can and tossed out in a yeah. dumpster and just forgotten. It yep. needs to be shoved in the vault of 20th Century Fox and never released ever again. Okay, that that's where they have slipped on a lot of this stuff. But some part of me also hopes, Eric, that Dave Filoni might be able to do what um, was done for um, for Star Trek Picard with yes. uh, with those guys involved yeah. with that show. And so, well, uh, what, sorry, what was the guy's name? Oh my gosh, <clears throat> why, why am I blanking on it? I'm blanking on it too. For yeah. the love of Jiminy Jesus Christmas, <laughs> I'm just blank. Oh my gosh, if we because you and I both love season three of Star Trek Picard. Well, everybody and, did, and the reason is because he the the the, the guy yeah. who oh my gosh, we got to think of we got to get his name. Um, but um, what what he did with that is he basically took the material that he loved mm. and and he created that whole season, and it was right. a reference to the characters and everything. Right, exactly. The, the thing that the the difference here with Filoni is Filoni has been involved with. Uh, um, you know, Star. I mean, th this whole Lucasfilm since Disney has mm -hmm. taken it over, and it has gone this way. That's why I don't have a lot of as Terry something Terry. Oh, Terry Matalus. Terry Matalus. There we Thank go. You. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Terry Matalus for Picard. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. But Filoni has has had his chance with this, and when I I was really I didn't know. You know, I'm not into uh, the Clone Wars and, and the animated series that he was involved with. Sure. And when I saw, you know, so I was waiting for this Ahsoka. And I was like, okay, I really want to see what Filoni's yeah. going to do with this. Yeah. And everybody kept talking Ahsoka, Ahsoka, and this is his character. He loves this character, and oh, all this stuff. Yeah. That yeah. I'm sorry, is a big piece of crap. <laughs> it really was, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why I have no faith. <laughs> And what okay. Filoni was going to do, and it, to me that that show, okay. it 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 was terrible. It was really bad, and it could have been so much more. Like yeah. everything else, like I talk about all the time, the potential, the potential, and it was bad. And it's like, and and the faith is gone for me. I mean, I don't think I think mm -hmm. Star Wars as we knew it is dead. I think now it's just going to be a property, and you know they're going to try to sell merchandise of all these characters. But sure. but I I don't think we're ever going to get back to what originally brought us into that uh, franchise. I, you know, despite the Star Wars canon being as massive as it is, when you look at the, when you look at the universe created from the films and then the subsequent streaming series on Disney Plus, and then you add in to the fact that there's all the graphic novels, the regular novels, um, the, the, the canon, Eric, is just so expansive that therein is where the problem lies because they are pulling from a treasure trove of stories that have been told in the pages of books and comic books and graphic novels. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they're trying to make chicken salad out of chicken poop here in a way when really they shouldn't even be messing with, with the canon altogether, like you just said. 
Uh, well, well, listen. I, I could say that they they can they can adjust the canon a little bit, and I don't really care. You know, as far as, I'm not into the the, mm-hmm. the stories or the novels. So yeah. So for me, it would be all fresh. I wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. But when you have a series, when you have Rogue One, now you said Filoni was involved. I, I don't what yes. at what uh, uh, level was he involved in that? I think he was an executive producer, or he was one of the. Uh, but he didn't actually. He wasn't directed, or he no, didn't, he, he didn't have no, his, he okay. didn't direct it. No. So when you have like Rogue One, which I was, which to me is a great. Uh, standalone Great Star standalone Wars film. film that didn't necessarily yeah. it wasn't exactly like the original trilogy it no. was its own movie but it fit it really had the nice feel. it had the it feel it had the feel but it fit yes. nice in that universe even it though did. everything wasn't exactly the same yeah. and another one is Andor Andor, mm. Andor is, a great series. is is an amazing series that yeah. nobody watched mm. and it doesn't necessarily fit exactly in what we would mm. say is the original trilogy yeah. uh, you know the 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 way that it was shot and and the writing but it has it, but it fits really nicely in this universe. So my point is that yeah, you can have all these different, different elements of Star mm-hmm. Wars and bring them in. They don't have to be perfectly like you know what yeah. a New Hope was. They don't have to be a recreation of a New Hope. Yeah. But my point is that it just has to be very well done, and yeah. it can be. Yeah. Andor is a great Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Is a great uh, is another great, great film. Uh, film or another great um, mm-hmm. example of what I'm talking about. Yeah. So. My my whole point is that though what I see the products that I see that Filoni are definitely hands on and has creative control over to me I don't see okay. I don't mm-hmm. see any difference it's like it's that's what I'm saying is it's almost like he, you know Kathleen Kennedy Filoni I mean I think Favaro was the it was almost like he was the uh, the ex uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking here for he, Favaro was the middleman well I, I would say Favaro. What was was kind of the um, uh, oh, I can't think of the term anyway. Favreau was was basically I think the one that kind of glued the original feel mm-hmm. to like the original Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. You know, Favreau was more of a creative force on that. Maybe is what yeah. I'm looking for more of the creative force. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of either getting pushed out or he's he's kind of oh, so he's taking more of a backseat. getting out, taking more of a backseat. Backseat, okay. And you're seeing you know Filoni and 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 these other creators come in. And it, they just don't have it. They don't have that that connection. And when I say connection, I mean they just don't have. They don't have it. I don't know what it mm-hmm. is. They just don't. They can't quite get it going. And I don't know if it's a storytelling aspect or if it's you know. I don't know what it is. It could be a little bit of everything. I, I think it is a little bit of storytelling, everything. corporate control, money. Uh, yeah, it could be a hodgepodge of everything. You know, you know. I think Disney needs to sell off its shares of Star Wars, <laughs> give it back to George Lucas, and see what happens there. No, I, Although I George George can't do it anymore, which is why George he gave it to Disney is, in the first can't, place. He can't, and he I don't can't think do it anymore. I don't think you know. The thing is, is that you know, and, and it may just be you know, as fans of Star Wars, mm-hmm. the original, like the original trilogy. Yeah, it may just be that that had its time, and it'll never be the same again. But like I said, there are glimpses of of hope here with Endor, with uh, Rogue mm-hmm. One, and and, yeah. and they can tie into. It really nicely, but yeah, man, I just don't. You know, it's like I don't know if if Disney puts out what's the next one coming out, the Acolyte. The what's, Acolyte. What's the next series? The Acolyte coming is coming out. That'll be the next series. I, I, I got to be honest with you, man. I mean, you know, it's and nice. There to, is going to be a season four of the Mandalorian. It's nice to watch mm-hmm. it for the for our show and be able to report on it. But I don't yeah. know if I can do it anymore because these show these are just it's just getting worse and worse. If Grogu is running around another robot suit, right? You know, how many times that can you make Grogu good. look cute? 
and trying to get away with. It's Eric, it's like somebody is just sucking the life force out of you <laughs> with the force. It's like they're just draining it. It's like the emperor is like yes. zapping you with force bolt exactly, lightning. Exactly. And you're cringing on the ground like Luke Skywalker. No, yeah, no. no. Yeah, I'm wait, waiting for my father Darth uh, something right, to exactly. come throw him down. But but yeah, I don't know. I I, I, I hope though, I will say this is that I hope you're right. I really do. I, I hope I, I I'm I'm glad you have the optimism about it, and I hope you're right. I hope that I they hope can so pull it out of the depths yeah. uh, of, um, I don't know, Sarnak Pit? Sarlacc Pit. Sarlacc Pit. The Pit you. of Carcoon. <laughs> I try. Yes. That's okay. That's why I'm here. <laughs> anyway, guys, hey, that's enough of that depressing Star Wars Whoa, news. Whoa, talk you. about being thrown to the Pit of Carcoon. That's our cue, yeah, folks. There you go. Oh, I love the references. I love <laughs> Thank it. you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, hey, you guys, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, please, uh, if you can, review the show for us. Uh, give us a thumbs up or uh, five stars if you can. We'd really appreciate that. It helps yep. out the show. Absolutely. And, Fo- uh, follow us on social media at Facebook, yeah. uh, Pardon the Intermission. And at uh, X, what, PTI underscore, underscore podcast. podcast, right? That's right. All right, guys, hey, you take care out there, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace out. See you on the flip side. God bless. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now, I want you to go check out one of the other best podcasts around. It's called the No Focus Radio Hour. It has comedy and insight from the greatest minds in the know. And how do I know? Well, because I'm part of that great show also. So please go check it out. It's available on all your podcasting apps. The No Focus Radio Hour.